Hallelujah. Why don't we lift up our voices and our hands and just thank God. Let's praise the Lord for giving the opportunity to be here tonight. Glorify your name, Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you. You're just so gracious. You're merciful. Your tender mercies are always abounding towards us. We're so grateful to you. We honor you. We worship you. Father, tonight as we come to share fellowship together and look at your word, we pray that you will help us by your spirit. Open our eyes and teach us. Let the spirit of your word take a hold of our hearts. That we'll never leave this place the same way we came in. We exalt you highly. All this we have asked in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please take your seats. It's, um, it's always a privilege to come before God. And this evening, I just want to share a little bit with us. And then... We shall pray and be out of here. Amen. I want to uh, share with us on something that we're all familiar with, uh, but just to remind all of us and probably take a look at it from another angle. Um, Jesus is God. Amen. Um, we all know the two major uh, doctrinal positions when it comes to uh, this. There's the Unitarians and the Trinitarians. Those who believe that God is one, he can't exist in any other form. Uh, that if you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that means you have one God, two God, and two, three. So he makes three gods. So they take their Unitarian position. But we want to look at Jesus as God. And God being one God, that exists as a plurality within a unity. God the Father, there's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, so we want to take a look at what makes Jesus God. Um, I took particular interest in this. When once I was in Accra, I went to the barber shop to get my hair cut. And... One of the barbers in that particular shop I went to, he's a Muslim. And so while they were getting my hair cut, I was really enjoying it. So I was falling asleep, in between sleep and being awake. But I could hear that there was a conversation that had ensued between this guy who goes to the madrasa. I mean, very, very radical. And one other gentleman who is supposed to be a pastor, and the argument had to do with Jesus being God versus Jesus being just a prophet like Muhammad. Of course, you know what position the Muslim guy took. Jesus is not God. There's only one God. He's a prophet just like Muhammad. We respect him. We obey him. He's just like Muhammad and nothing more, nothing less. And this pastor was, you know, my Bible says he's God. And, you know, I was trying to make a point, but it was really not going in. <laughs> So when it was done, I was really in a hurry. So I engaged the guy. I said, you know, by the way, 
if Jesus is not God and he's a mere prophet, that means he was created. And if he's not God, then he must have an earthly father. If Jesus is not God, then tell me who his father is. Who is his earthly daddy? So I left him. I said, okay, go do your studies. And the next time I come, we'll have this conversation. See, it's very imperative. The person of Jesus as deity is under assault. Even within what you will consider uh, Christendom, Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe he is God. Mormons don't believe he is God. They have the same position. They take the position that Jesus is a created being, spirit being, just like Lucifer was. So they equate Jesus and Lucifer on the same plane. Except that Jesus has not rebelled. Lucifer rebelled. So to them, Jesus is not God. This is serious stuff. So right there, you can now understand why some people brand those two groups as cults. Because there's no way you can be a church when that eludes you. The enormity and the reality of Jesus being God eludes you. That's the foundation on which church is built. Matthew chapter 16 said, and I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That was after Peter had given the correct answer to a question that Jesus posed in verse 13. Whom do men say that I am? So, well, some say this, some say that. Jesus said, no, that's fine. But I want to know you. What do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke on behalf of an entire group and said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. That means you are Christ or you are God the son. You are God the Son. So on the basis of that revelation, Jesus says, heaven and earth have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So what is that rock? It's the rock of the revelation of who Jesus actually is. And who is he? He is God the Son. Jesus is very concerned about who he is. That was not the first time he asked that question. In Matthew 22, reading from verse 42 down, he went to the Pharisees once. He went to trouble them. You know, usually they are the ones that's coming asking questions. But this time the Pharisees were just chilling somewhere. Jesus went to them. He said, what thinkest ye of Christ? Whose son is he? What do you think of Christ? Whose son is he? He asked the Pharisees. And the Bible said, they said, he is the son of David. Then he asked them. He said, if he is the son of David, how come David said in the Psalms that the Lord said to my Lord, sit down at my right hand until I make your enemies thy footstool. So if David calls him Lord, how can he be the son of David? The Bible said, and no man was able to answer him. And from that day on, they did not ask him any question anymore. So he's concerned about who he is. And it's imperative as Christians that we know these things and not just sit in church and know that Jesus is God. I believe you know the creed, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, that's fine, but it won't do it. That's not enough. First Peter 3.15 says that 
Sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be prepared to give an answer to anyone that asks you the reason for the hope that lieth within you. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be prepared to give an answer to anyone that asks you the reason for the hope that lieth within you. It's 1 Peter 3.15, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. That word, rightly dividing the word of God, is from the Greek autotemeo. Autotemeo is a civil engineering term. It, it speaks of how a civil engineer would make a way if he's constructing a road in a place where there was no road before. Autotemeo says that the civil engineer must be able to cut that road in such a way that people who will travel on it don't have to veer to the right or left, but go to their destination straight without veering. So, study to show yourself approved. A, a, a righteous man that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing, caving out a straight path that will lead to God. So, we're coming to do that with a few minutes that we have left. So, who is Christ? He is God. So I went back later on, and I told the gentleman, have you an answer for me? He said, no. I said, well, Jesus is God. And he said, well, show me in the Bible where Jesus said he is God. Now, that's where they will always go. They will tell you, show me where Jesus himself says, I am God. He did not say it anywhere. Show me where. I said, well, I don't have a chapter and verse for you where Jesus says I'm God, but I have verses and chapters where Jesus claimed to be God. Are you ready to listen? He said, yes. I said, okay. John chapter 5. John 5. So what I took the man through is what I'm coming to take you through now. It doesn't mean you are Muslims. <laughs> John chapter 5, read for me from verse number 17. John chapter 5, verse 17. But Jesus answered them. And Jesus answered them. My father has been working until now. My father has been working until now. And I have been working. And I have been working. Verse 18. Before you go to verse 18. Now. Anytime Jesus makes a claim to divinity and says that he is God, you know that from the response of the audience. When Jesus says, my father has been working and so have I been, Jesus calling God his father is not the same as you calling God our father. See, the audience, the Jewish people understood what he meant. He meant to say that my father has been working and I, God the son, have also been working. So because they understood that he was laying claim to divinity, watch what their reaction is. Verse 18. John 5, 18. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Why do they want to kill him? Because... He not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. 
Amen. So did Jesus claim that he was God in John chapter 5? Yes. My father worketh, and so have I. The Bible said immediately they were irated. They took stones and want to stone him. The reason being that they said, you being a man, you are making yourself equal with God. So they understood what it meant. It means Jesus claimed to be God in John chapter 5. Amen. So in John chapter 5, Jesus is equal with God. Jesus is God. God the Son. It means he's the same substance as God. Amen. Amen. And it's possible. You have, you have water. Ice is water, Brother Richard. Vapor is water. And water is water. All right? Same substance. But he exists in three different types of forms. God is God. He exists as the Father, as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. Same substance. Is there an essence? The essence is the same. He manifests himself in three different forms. Ice, water, vapor. All is water. John chapter 8. So I took him to John chapter 8 next. I said, are you ready for the next? He said, yes. John chapter 8. Jesus is God. Reading from verse number 53. John chapter 8 verse 53. Yes. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Are you greater than our father Abraham? Who is dead? Who is dead? And the prophets are dead. And the prophets, they are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Who do you make yourself out to be? Go ahead. 54. Jesus answered. Jesus answered them. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. Yes. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yes. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Okay, so Jesus is telling them these things and saying that, look, if I, out of being, uh, wanting to be modest, unbridled modesty, say that I don't know God, or that is to say I am not God, because I want to be modest, I'll be a liar like you. I am God, therefore I'm telling you who I am. I don't want to lie like you do lie. I am God, and that's who I am. In fact, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. In other words, Jesus is saying, I and Abraham have met. We've met before. Abraham, you mean that small boy Abraham? I know him. Now, for a Jew, who Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish nation, you know how highly they esteem him. For Jesus to talk that way about Abraham, 
whom they have never met, but has been handed that that he's a sacrosanct personality that has been handed down from generation to generation. For Jesus to talk about him that way, oh yes, he went there. He said, Abraham and I, I have met him. I know him. Watch the next thing. What did they say next? Then the Jews said to him. Then they said to him. You are not 50 years old. You are not even 50 years. Abraham died hundreds of years ago. And you have seen Abraham. And you have seen Abraham. Jesus said to them. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) No. The guy didn't even live up to be 40 years. No. And he's saying that Abraham. In fact, I know the man. He rejoiced when he saw me. Abraham was glad when he beheld me as God. They were incensed. Abraham, you are not even 50 years. And you are saying you know Abraham. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? But Jesus is getting them somewhere. Please, what did he say to them? Verse 59. 58. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Ah. (laughs) So, the guy who is supposed to be less than 50 years is even telling them that before Abraham was even dreamed of as a seed, I am. Think about it. Before Abraham, before Abraham was, okay, before Abraham was, I am. Okay, let's do some grammaticals here. (laughs) Who is that? God bless you. (laughs) That's a lawyer in the making. (laughs) So, I don't need to be 50 years to know Abraham. In fact, I am ageless. I am so ageless that before Abraham was even thought about, I existed. Before Abraham was, I am. There are two Greek words. Ginomai. Ginomai is the word was. Before Abraham, ginomai. Ginomai means to come into existence. To come into existence or to break forth. That's was. Before Abraham, ginomai. Ego emi. I am is ego emi. Ego emi means is the present form. It means I have always existed. In other words, before Abraham came into existence, I had always been in existence. In fact, I like the Eugene Peterson translation better. It it lays it all out. That's the message Bible. He said it. He said, before Abraham was anything or something, I am that I am. The message. Immediately they knew what he was talking about. Because Moses encountered God. 
And God said, I am sending you to Egypt. So you go and bring my people out. Moses said, this is a very difficult task. But when I go, that hard-headed man called Pharaoh, whom should I tell him is the one sending me? He said, tell Pharaoh that I am, that I am is sending you. I am that I am means that I live independent of anybody else. I don't need anybody to validate who I am. I am that I am. I exist all by myself. Ghanaians will say the Ogboro himself. The boss man. The bossest of the boss. He answers to nobody. God is independent, but we are dependent on him. That's why the Bible says in him we live, we move, and have our being. We are dependent on him. He depends on nobody else. Tell Pharaoh, I am that I am. Ego and me sent you. It's the exact same word that Jesus used. Before Abraham could think about being somebody, ego and me. I am that I am. Watch their response. Verse 59. Yes. Then they took up stones. Again. <laughs> this joker that is supposed to be less than 50 years is actually now going there. Not only is he saying that Abraham knew me and rejoiced to see my day, he's actually saying that I know Abraham. Abraham is nothing. In fact, I give Abraham the existence that he had. They pick up stones. John chapter 5, they pick up stones. John chapter 8, they are picking up stones. So in John chapter 5, did Jesus claim that he is God? Yes. In John chapter 8, did he claim he was God? Absolutely. Amen. Amen. John chapter 10. I love John. You know? So you have the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They see Jesus from a similar point of view. That's why they are called synoptics. You can celebrate the word into seen and optics. Seen means similar or the same. That's why you have synonyms, words that are alike. Synonyms. So, seen, S-Y-N, optics. So, they see Jesus. Optics means to see. The synoptics see Jesus from the same vantage point or from the same perspective. That's why John is not an, um, a, a synoptic. John sees Jesus as radically different. He sees Jesus as God. Amen. That's why he opened his letter with a prologue. And in a prologue, verse 1 alone has three declaratives. In the beginning was the word. That word was is in the imperfect verbal tense of existence. That means that before the beginning came to be, I existed already. He did not come into existence with the beginning. He was there before the beginning began. In the beginning, if I tell you that when, when I got there, he was going. Did he start going when I got there? No. 
It was already going before I got there. That's an imperfect verbal tense of existence. So Jesus saying, John saying, in the beginning was the word. What he means is that in the beginning, the word was already existing before there was ever a beginning. And that word was with God. It means that the word has always been with God. And the word was God. That means that word has always been God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him were not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the light was the life of man. There was a man named John who came from God. You understand? Jesus is John chapter 10 because of time. There are a few things that we'll look at. But 33. Oh, give me from 30. Thank you, sir. John 10, 30. Yes. I, I and my father are one. This man is starting trouble again. <laughs> because we know from chapter 5 that whenever he says God is his father, it's not the same as them calling God their father. What he means is that myself and God are the same substance. He may be the solid form and I may be the liquid form, but we are all water. Amen? Amen. He's starting trouble again. Now this time, I and my father are one. Okay. Let's see what their reaction is. Keep going. Then the Jews took up stone again (laughs) to stone him. Jesus answered them. Listen, now, if Jesus meant no harm and he calls God his father, like you and I will call God my father, where is his crime for them to stone him? Now, that's what he's asking them. They picked up stones to stone him and so Jesus said, I have done many miracles. For which of them do you want? Now he's tired of the stoning. He's asking them a question. Chapter 8, he didn't mind them. Chapter, I mean, chapter 5, he didn't mind them. Chapter 8, he just walked away. Chapter 10, 2, you are coming to stone me. So he asked them a question. What's the question? Jesus, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them. Many good works I have shown you from my father. Many good works I have shown you. He's mentioning this father again. From my father, yes. For which of those works... Do you stone me? For which of the good works that I have showed you, are you stoning me? What did they say? The Jews answered him saying, Yes. For a good work, we do not stone you. For a you. good work, we don't want to stone you. Even that they are lying, but go ahead. But for blasphemy. For blasphemy. What is the blasphemy? And because you being a man, yes. make yourself God. Did Jesus claim he was God in John chapter 10? Absolutely. So the next time a Muslim comes and says, show me where Jesus says he is God, you have more than enough. I can show you more and more and more and more where Jesus said he claimed to be God and he was unapologetic. He did not try to clarify in John 5, in John 8, in John 10. He did not clarify by saying, oh, amigos, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, 
didn't mean it the way you want to stone me for. Please, put your stones down. I don't mean I'm not God. No, he was unapologetic. He said, I've done plenty of good works. So which of them are you trying to stone me now? They said, for the good works, no stone. <laughs> but for calling yourself God, you being a man, that one a stone. <laughs> Amen? Now, so in John chapter 5, Jesus was equal with God. He is God. John chapter 8, Jesus is the great I am that I am. He is God. In John chapter 10, he is God. Let me show you so much. Prophetically, let me prove to you that Jesus is God. John 19. John 19. Take it from verse number... Amen. Let's see. From um, 31, please. Read from verse 31 for me. John 19. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath. For that Sabbath day was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. 32. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they immediately, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Okay. So you know the story. Jesus is crucified. The Sabbath is coming the next day. And according to the Jewish tradition, nobody should be hanging on the cross. So they need to hurry up and get them off the cross for burial. And so the uh, edit was that go and find out if these people are dead. Whoever is not dead after we have tormented them, make sure you break their legs so they die quickly. Hasten their death and then go and bury them. So they went to the two thieves. They were not dead. So they broke their legs. But when they came to Jesus, they realized that Jesus was what? Already dead. The next time I have the opportunity to talk to us about the resurrection, one of the theories that pro opponents of the resurrection have is what they call the hallucination theory. The theory states that Jesus really, uh, no, is the swoon theory. The swoon theory states that Jesus did not die on the cross, that he was badly injured, but he didn't die. He was swooned, so they buried him. 
and the coolness of the, temp- the temperature in the, in the tomb um, resuscitated him after a while. Very, very foolish in the light of the evidence. Because the Bible says that when they got to Jesus, he was already dead. But to be sure that he was already dead, they did another, took another step by doing what? They pierced his side, then came out what? Blood Give me Zechariah chapter 12. Now I want to establish that Jesus is prophetically God. Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah is towards the end of the Old Testament. I think one book before the very last one. I know it's one of the very tough ones to find. Zechariah chapter 12 verse 1. Somebody help my reader, please, before, before he picks okay. up stones. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. Let's listen, let's listen. Please take it again. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. The burden of a what? Word of the Lord for Israel. The, the Bible I'm reading says the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel. Okay, no, no problem. No problem. For or against. Go, go, go ahead. Verse number two. Uh huh. Verse two. Yes. Behold, I will make Jerusalem. Okay. Who is talking? No. Who is talking? Zechariah is a prophet of God. But who is who is saying those words? God. God is saying those words. God. The burden of a Lord, and then he goes, "Behold, I will." So who is the I will? God, right? God. God. So that's God speaking. So from that side, he begins to tell them about how Jerusalem shall be destroyed and how Jerusalem shall be restored again. Because of time, I don't want you to read all. But go to verse number 10. Remember, it's who who is talking from verse 1 and 2. God. So God is the one that is talking throughout Zechariah chapter 12. Look at verse number 10. And I will pour upon the house of David. Yes. And upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Yes. The spirit of grace and of supplication. Yes. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. So who is talking now? God God. is saying what? They will look upon me whom they have what? Pierced. So in other words, the one that was pierced in John chapter 19 is the same God that is talking in Zechariah chapter 12. So now, when the man said that Abraham saw my day and rejoiced, you can understand what he meant. Mm. They would look upon me whom they have pierced. God is speaking all the way in Zechariah. Fulfilled in John chapter 19. So the one that was speaking in Zechariah 12 is the one that was pierced in John 19. Prophetically, Jesus is God. Crowning evidence. Give me John 20, verse 37 and 38. John 20. John 20? Yes. Verses. John 20, yeah. verse 37 and 38. John? John. John 20. 37? No. Or 20? Give me a second. Uh, in a mission. 
28. Okay. John 20. John 20, 27. Yes. Then he said to Thomas. He said to Thomas. Reach your finger here. Reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Look at my hands. And reach your hand here. Reach your hand here. Put it into my side. Yes. Do not be unbelieving. Yes. But believing. Yes. 28. And Thomas answered and said to him. Yes. My Lord and my God. Crowning evidence. And Jesus did not correct him. My Lord and my God. Jesus did not correct him. The same way in Revelation chapter 5, when all creature was bowing down before the lamb, they was not corrected. It is only God that is only worthy of receiving that kind of worship. And Jesus took it as the lamb. Because he is God. Now, the testimony of Muslims that Jesus is God's prophet, it does not matter to me. What the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons say that he is a created being of the same stature and status like Lucifer does not matter to me. What matters to me is what God says about his own son. When Jesus was being baptized, the Bible says that the heavens was open. The spirit of the Lord descended like a dove upon Jesus. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But in Hebrews chapter 1 also, reading from verse number 1, you know the book of Hebrews, we've been taught already, is a contrastive and comparative analysis between the old and the new covenant. The old covenant was mediated by Moses and the angels. And the New Testament was, is mediated by Jesus. And so immediately, the Hebrew writer from Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 began to talk about it and to create the distinction between the old and the new. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, having this last day spoken unto us by his son, who he has what? appointed her of all things and by whom also he created the words. Verse 2. Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, that means he is the same substance as God. In other words, the Old Testament was mediated by prophets and angels. What prophet do you know that is the express image of God? None. When he has by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made so much better than the angels. Amen. Amen. Verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 1. Read for us. But to the son he says. Now to verse 7. He speaks about the angels, how that they are spirits, and he makes his ministers flaming fire. But he says, of the son, he says, who is saying? God. Who is saying? God. Let's see how God addresses Jesus. How did he call him? 
Your throne, O God. Ah, God is calling Jesus God. Your throne, O God, is forever Forever and ever. An everlasting a scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness, hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above all of your fellows. The person who is giving us all the records in the book of John is John himself. And John is an eyewitness. When you begin to see the, 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 the Bible, not just as the inspired word of God, and it is primarily, but also as a historical document. And you understand that everything that is contained within the Bible are actual things that took place in real time and space events. It would make sense to you. In other words, whatever John is recording, John is saying, look, I was there and I saw it. So if John and Mohammed went to court to argue out the divinity of Christ and the judge calls Mohammed and said, Mr. Mohammed Abbas, <laughs> make your submission. And Mohammed says, your honor, I, I know he is not God, but then the judge will say, why? Where's your evidence? He said, well, an angel told me that he is not God. That he is only a prophet like myself. He said, is that all you have? Mr. Muhammad Abbas will say, yes, your honor, that's all I have. And then the judge will say, John. Yes, my lord. What is your evidence? He said, your honor, I was there. When he turned water into wine, I was there. I was there when he fed the 5,000. I was there. I was there when he walked on water. I was there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. I was there when he said to the winds, peace be still. I was there. I was there the day he was crucified. In the middle of the afternoon when it became suddenly dark. I was there. I was there when he resurrected. I was with my friends when suddenly he showed up in the room. And he asked Thomas to check him out. When Thomas said, my Lord and my God, stand to your feet. Jesus is God. Just begin to thank him. Just thank him. That's why I love that song. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, God should die for me. God is the one that died for you. Thank you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, only begotten Son of God. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Blessed Trinity, we thank you. Who am I that God should die for me? Who am I that God should die for me? We thank you. We magnify you for what you have exposed to us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Abigail.